The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The podcast today brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. MyBookie will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. Plenty to bet on these days. NBA, NHL, the Nats are red hot. They won again last night. NFL props and already week one lines. Go to MyBookie.ag. Let them know how you got there by using my promo code, KevinDC, and they'll take good care of you. They'll give you uh, basically half of your deposit as extra money to wager with. Also, just a reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple. Um, That helps us a lot as well. Takes you about a minute to do it. Uh, Guess who is here today on the podcast? So many people have been asking me, where has Cooley been? And I haven't answered because I didn't want to get into why you haven't been on the podcast because I didn't know whether or not you wanted me to share it. Which, by the way, is another indication over the years for all those people out in Ashburn that somehow thought that like Cooley was leaking information to me. I never said anything that Cooley told me. And by the way, Cooley didn't even know half of what people thought he knew. Um, but now you're back on the podcast today, and I'm glad you're back. And will you go ahead and tell everybody why you really haven't had time to be on the podcast over the last, I don't know, three weeks or so? Yeah, it's wild. We were up in May looking for morel mushrooms, and I had just bought a new 10 millimeter just to make sure that we didn't get eaten by a bear, and I ended up having to shoot two bears, and they deemed it uh, like unlawful, so I was in jail. And um, it's not that hard in jail here. It was weird. Pretty luck, TVs and stuff. My kids could some come and see me every once in a while. How I was? I mean, you Why and I communicated a little bit. I mean, how was the food? but I mean, I could, you could eat it. It's not good. Did you make any new friends? I met a friend, Andrew, who actually used to call games for uh, Evanston High School. And he did the play-by-play and the color because that's, that's kind of what they do. But Andrew did that. And he said, it's going to be hard to get back in it in the high school level after being in jail. Why was he in jail? Assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, so... The, he, he was 
pending court. I had to spend three weeks in county jail. Like he was waiting for the next trial. Uh, the two bears that you shot, did you kill them? Both of them. Oh, wow. Okay, let's stop doing this. This isn't even funny anymore. Uh, Cooley really wasn't in jail, and he really didn't shoot two bears. Do you think, uh, do you think anybody – no did, did anybody buy that? Maybe. I don't even know why I did that. I'm, I just woke up a little bit ago. Yeah, of so. course. Yeah. All right, so um, tell everybody what you've been doing for the last so three weeks I, for real. I was coaching high school football, and so we had our summer program, which is not very long here. Um, and, and because of work and baseball and other stuff, we start at six our time. Yeah. Go to like nine or 10. And then we just, we went to football camp in South Dakota at Black Hill State University, which is in Spearfish, South Dakota. And you went there for a week, right? Yeah, three three days. And so you're coaching high school football. The name of the, the name of the team is what? The Panthers. The Powell Panthers. The Powell Panthers. And they are a Wyoming powerhouse program, right? Um they're a good Wyoming program. The Wyoming has four classes. Powell is a three A. Oh, they're three A, not four A. No. They're a 4A in football, a 3A in everything else. Okay. So I don't know. something. They're, they're in the second biggest division in football. But the big schools, like, which is hysterical to me, like Cheyenne East and Casper, and there's two Casper schools and a couple of the, like, those are, those are the big schools. <laughs> Who? Won- <laughs> but I look at the big schools and I'm like, you guys really think these guys are that much better than you? Like, this is still just a Wyoming high school. You know that, right? So, is it high quality high school football? I mean, or not? I mean, like at the four A level, describe how close Wyoming high school football is to, you know, the quality of the football around here. You know, it's not even the best football in the country here, but you know, compared to like some of the schools that you saw and were a part of in Northern Virginia, some of the you know big six A schools, or you know, the Catholic League, the WCAC, et cetera. Um, they're not there. I mean, especially not like the Catholic League or some of the Norfolk, Norfolk schools or some. I mean, or Stonebridge. It's not that. That's not where we're at. Here, look, look, I'll put it to you this way: we, We're at this camp. There's, I think, 500 kids. Um, somewhere around eight South Dakota schools and eight Wyoming schools. There might be five Division One players there out of 500. Might be. And there might be like, there's probably zero SEC dudes. Right. So the D1 kids I mean, that, are going to go to Wyoming. They're going to go to Wyoming. They're going to go to BYU. They're maybe go to Utah. I, yeah, I mean, it just, it's really hard for kids to get recruited here because there's, a recruiting budget from for every school and a lot of the smaller schools that would recruit these kids are like well what am i going to do find a cody wyoming and spend my weekend on this much recruiting budget on watching this one kid who's so far away so 
So what are you what are you bit. coaching? You're not the head coach at Powell. Um, what are you coaching? What is your area of responsibility? I'm coaching everything. What do you mean by that? I don't know how to explain what I'm coaching to you. I'm coaching everything. Some days I work with the offensive linemen. Some days I work with the receivers. Some days I work with the backs. I work with the quarterbacks. I'm not given an area of responsibility, per se. Do you like the head coach? Yeah, I do. Um, do the, did, <laughs> Let me know what it was you want to say. Did the, I didn't. <laughs> did, do the kids know who you are? Did they know who you are when you were introduced to them? Oh, yeah, they know. They're pumped. So you're getting along with the kids. Oh, I love the kids. That's the only reason I do it. I think they're awesome. It's a it's a wild discrepancy between freshmen and seniors, though. I will tell you that. Well, is there a, is there a freshman is there a JV team that the freshmen play on, or is it, is everybody on varsity? Right, there's got to be a JV team, right? Yeah, there's a there's a JV team. Okay. So, so you work- I'm just saying, like our freshmen, well, like we we had at our camp, we used to have like a JV and a varsity, but our JV was mostly freshmen. Got it. There's also this other, you know, there's this crazy thing here that I've never really thought about that's, that I'm watching occur. And it's Legion baseball versus football. And, and it's this whole debate of sport and season. So there is no high school baseball in Wyoming. They start Legion baseball essentially in late May. or Well, they probably start practicing in April, but like we started high school baseball. Our trials were in February, and our school went until June. But now, if you try as a football coach to take some of their baseball kids to camp, they're not happy about it. No, no, you don't take our kids. We're sporting season. We're playing real games here. You're going to dilly dally around the training camp, football camp, pat each other on the butts out there. So it's it's really been fascinating the debate of like when can I have these kids or when can I do this or when can we practice for football because we're not sporting season. So, first of all, I'm happy for you because I know how much you want to coach, and this is this is a this is a serious thing. You are now on the coaching staff for the Powell High School Panthers in Powell, Wyoming. You got a season coming up in the fall. You've been working with them throughout the spring. You went for their summer camp in the Black Hills of South Dakota for a week. Um, I mean, is the, you you've worked with high schools before? You've worked with athletes. You've worked out players getting ready getting ready for the draft and the whole thing. Um, this is it, how much fun are you having? And is this what you want to do? Yeah. So I want to treat this like a job. Like I, I love it. You knew I, you know that. I know. So. I'm, and the, what this was what was fascinating to me throughout my last couple of years, and I think we've briefly talked about it on the show in different situations. I really tried hard to coach in the NFL. I really did. I couldn't get an interview for a quality control job from anyone. I called everyone I knew. Uh, per your request as well, like call this dude, call this dude, call every. I call 
everyone. And then the next year, I called everyone again, almost like a joke. Like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, no one... And it's just it was just this whole charade of, like, oh, yeah, you were a good player, you know, but yeah, we kind of got our staff and stuff. And no one would tell me why. Um, but I never got an interview. And I thought about doing it in college, and there was some stuff there, and it just, you got, it's so, it's so demeaning. It's not like I need a job. I want a job. But when you're told no like seven million times, I got I got a way over that. Uh, uh, the last year yeah. before I left, I was going to coach. I finally was like, okay, I was going to coach at Loudoun County High School, which we talked about. Right. Dude, I spent like a couple months with the coaches in the winter and a little bit of time with a couple of the guys, and I realized immediately I, I don't need to coach anything more than high school football. It was the easiest decision ever. I, I don't need to coach anything more than high school ball. This would be awesome for me. And so as, as I've gotten here, you know, I, I'm beating around these kids is is awesome. Um, the Loudon County, the Loud, like Loudon County thing died because of COVID because the season got canceled. Yeah, they ended up playing a season in the spring, and I would have loved to have been. That is a tremendous staff. Um, people there were amazing. The parents were great. But we were planning on moving to Wyoming in the near future. The season wasn't going to be played in the fall. My daughter wasn't going to be able to go to school in person in the fall last year, and it became a really easy decision for us to leave then. So we did. But that kind of was the moment where I just said, yeah, I have high school football plenty. And if I want to get up at seven in the morning and watch three hours of film and create a system and do that stuff, I treat it like a job. Uh, I have been creating a system. We've had this conversation a lot of times as well. I have, I've gotten this down, man. I got a lot of, a lot of stuff going on here with the, with an offensive language. (laughs) That's <laughs> a dork. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, it's your passion. I know you love it. I want to. I want to make sure that um, that you um, you g- d- delved further, if you will, into what happened over the last year. You did have opportunities potentially in college that weren't necessarily what you needed, and there may have been, you know, a couple of opportunities in the NFL if you had taken more of an internship role rather than a quality assistant, which is really the entry level for, you know, should have been the entry level for you, the true entry level position. Um, yeah, the quality control should be a true entry level. The intern level is not something that I, I was going to laugh at. I just play this game. I have a, uh, last year, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and I'm going to go intern in Kansas City. Throw out a name. Right. It wasn't the place. Kansas City, do a good job. So the next year, I'm either getting a QC in Kansas City or I'm getting a QC somewhere else in the NFL. So 
I've now interned in Kansas City, and I spend 100 hours a week dragging my family to Kansas City, where then we're going to go to Jacksonville. I'm going to QC in Jacksonville for a year, and I'm going to do a good job. And I know I'm going to do a good job. And so maybe they have a position coach job coming open, and maybe they don't. And in the case that they don't, now i got to take my family to, I don't know, Green Buffalo Bay. for a year to be a tight ends coach. Now we've moved three times with three young kids. And so for me, it's not necessarily just the out, like just the time. And that's why I wanted to coach in D.C. so much, because that was home. And I wasn't going to have to drag my family around. And they understand that during the season, I might not be home very often. But they're home. And so we just made the decision that wasn't going to work out. Right. Yeah, I just wanted, I didn't want people to think like you got completely shut out, like there were opportunities and you made the decision that that life of moving, you know, multiple times over the next few years with young kids was not what you and your wife wanted. It's not for everybody. And I would bet that there are lots of people that have looked at, you know, the coaching track and understood, look at, you look at any, any assistant coach who eventually becomes a head coach. After being a lifer as an assistant coach, look at how many moves they typically have over a very short period of time, and that's not what you wanted to do. Um, and you don't have to do it. Um, high school's perfect. You're right there. It's the, how far is Powell High School from your house? Uh, 11 minutes. So there you go. And uh, And you're having the same impact. You know, you're getting to do things, something you love to do and probably have even more impact on younger people. Um, what, uh, how good have they been? Like, by the way, the, the, the school has a beautiful website. The, the, the website, which is just, you know, just Google Powell High School, Powell, Wyoming. The actual website's homepage features a shot of a football game in their football stadium. It looks like a really good-sized stadium with the sun setting in the background and these big, what appear to be tall pine trees. It just looks spectacular. looks like a Friday night thing in, in Powell, Wyoming. Now, there's not much of a crowd at the game, but it, it looks like a pretty good-sized uh, stadium with what appears to be a field turf field. It does not appear to be natural it, grass. It is. You know, almost no natural grass fields left in Wyoming. Right. It's a waste of money for schools to have a natural grass field. Yeah. Much got to spend to water them and stuff. Um, no, it's a cool little stadium. Uh, they were in the state semifinals last year. They lost to Cody, which is a rival game. I went to the game. Amazingly enough, that game was almost impossible to get a ticket to. I had to make some calls for that one. We had, to, we had to run into people, and I we didn't we didn't get into the stands. We stood on the on the fence. The stands were too full on both sides. Wow! So there, people will come and watch a game. Um, they they've been good. They were really good through like the mid two thousand. So I'm not sure. I should look up the record. You know the pal history, but. I think I, I think our team's pretty good this year for Wyoming. I think we'll have a chance. Who? Um, what's the head coach's name? Chase Kissler. And then, how many on a high school staff on a four A team in Wyoming? How many coaches are there? Well, you'd have as many as you want. I think they can pay five or something like that. Okay. 
So I think there's five in me, something like that. Got it. You you said that you're doing. I'm a not. Lot. I'm a volunteer coach. Right. You're doing a lot of different things: offense, receivers, quarterbacks. Have they figured out that you could be, you know, a, a pretty decent designer of an offense and maybe even a play caller, or is that just too pushy at this point? Like you, you gotta, you gotta work your way up. <clears throat> yeah, that's an t- interesting question. I think it's a little too pushy. Although I would like it to not have to, I just I think it's too pushy. But here's the cool thing about it. I'm close, and if I needed to get closer, especially for a high school offense, we could wrap this up and do what I'm doing and make it perfect. My language. But another year will just give me time to make it exactly perfect. Got it. My theory, you can't have more than six words in a play call. Keep it simple. Well, I mean, you don't. Have, you have to simplify the language enough to where it all fits into six words. So here's like one of the things that I really like that, that you start doing, and this is talking to some other coaches as well. You, every time you call a formation, people would call like trips right, right? You've heard that, yeah. There's three receivers to the right. There's one to the left. Or trips left. But the thing is, is you have to say right or left every single time, which takes another word syllable. So I went down this like long wormhole of finding things that you would take on a trip. One of them, which was stolen from a friend, is air would be trips right and plane would be trips left. There's an R in air. There's an L in plane. So instead of calling trips right, you say air. And trips left would be plane. Just learning a new thing with just one less word. You have to save it. Yeah, but as you go through the whole gamut, you save a lot of words in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to save that word because it's hard to get some of them under six or six. Okay. Really important to save that word. Um, so they have to remember different formations, but like Ford and Chevy, you know, are. One, they're the same formation in mirrored images of each other. Salt and pepper, mirrored image of it. In, the, in my two-by-two, two, where it would be like doubles, everything has to have a, like a pair, a partner. So salt and pepper would be in my two-by-two. Two. They're, they're, they're a pair. You know, what this, a pair. You, you know what this reminds me of? And I know I always the use The biggest these. work of all time in a... I use office references all the time with Tommy primarily because he's watched the show many times, but I know you've watched the show too. But when Kevin, when Kevin Malone you know, decides that he's going to limit the words and he says, why wait, you know, something like it was like, why waste time, say lot word when few word do trick? <laughs> and then <laughs> like he's doing, like he's doing that with, with um with Jim and Pam and um and Michael I think and they just are all looking at him saying you're working too hard it's actually taking us longer to figure out what you're saying so it's actually <laughs> much longer <laughs> it's so true here here's another good like for example of it well, what I'm doing it's, I feel like I'm doing what he's doing all the time <laughs> but like, in almost any West Coast or like football sense forever, for example, a, a hitch 
and a corner would have been known as a smash combination. Uh-huh. I don't really know why. <laughs> and like, that's so much of, like, I know it's smash or it's 71 or whatever you want to call it. Like there's a lot of, but I don't know why it's, I'm looking at it. I, I guess because the corners on top of the hitch could like smash down if you were to, no idea. So I, I'm like, I got to teach a 14 year old kid what smash is, but he doesn't really know or care what smash is. <laughs> but like, I, everyone in the football world knows what uh-huh. smash is, but he doesn't. Right? Yeah. I, j- I, I just so I have called to... it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just found the actual exchange, you know, because they have <laughs> all the, on the, you know, it's like a quotes thing for sitcoms. Um, yeah, and <laughs> Jim says, Hey Kev, what were you saying before about the paperwork? Me do now go stop worry. Then Pam says, Kev, do you feel okay? Me feel good. Body strong. Sleep big last night. And then it goes on and on. And Oscar says he's making a statement. It's an ironic comment on our expectations of him. A fun house, a fun house image of our model of Kevin. And then Kevin says, you keep think that. <laughs> you keep thinking that. You keep think that. Uh, I love that exchange. Um, oh, anyway. God. I remember that. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. So, then, so dude, can't you tell I'm still talking here? I can. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Still, I'm still super pumped up about it. Yeah, I know. I'll I, end we, with this. Yeah. Why wouldn't you call a hitch? Oh, there, no, there's a lot of reasons, actually. But I just started call. I would call that high co hitch corner this word meshum it's really easy oh mesh is now high co how's so this can't understand high co hitch corner i don't know what we're doing here how's this going over the new language it's, it's pretty much um just a me thing yeah okay it's a, it's just, gonna go over really well it works it's just a you thing in the meantime in in in, in addition to just changing the overall language of play calling mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. What about the actual like coaching? Like, what's the what's the best part of it so far? What what are you having the most fun doing? Working with the, the tight coaching, ends? Yeah, yeah. Just, just just all the kids in general. Here's the best thing in the world. Um, I'm just working. Sean Sean McVay and I worked a lot on top of route stuff, like what you're doing at the top of the route. And for some reason, it's hard to pick up how to pick up your foot and put it down and then plant your other one and go. Like, I don't know why it's, but we <laughs> just like Kevin, we tried to eliminate all possible steps at the top of her out. And I did a lot of this when I was done playing with Sean when he was the OC. And so I'm teaching these kids and they're picking it up. And it's like, that's when one or two of them start to get it. I'm, I'm pumped up. And then watching them have some success at this camp. And I thought this was my favorite. My favorite. I, here's my two favorite stories. Um, the offensive line are doing these board. You know what board drills are? No. They put a board down, like a two by eight. And then you, you stand up, like head to head, put your, get in a three point stance and 
It's like a 10-foot board. you got to try to drive them either side of the board. Okay. You drive them off the board. It's, it, I don't know. We did in college. I never did it in the NFL. It was probably Neanderthal drill. But we got this little sophomore receiver, Ethan. He's up there with all of the receivers, the varsity kids. And I said, yo, Ethan, I'll give you 100 bucks if you can go down there and win the board drill with anybody. Oh, God. Pick any lineman you want. <laughs> You're incenting with cash. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll go. Ethan's like 122 pounds. He's tiny. Yeah, how did he do? Oh, it was funny. So we're all watching him, and there's a ton of linemen. And so he gets to one of the lines, and he's like moving forward and backward in the line because he can see the line on the other side. So he's trying to manipulate it so he can get the smallest lineman. <laughs> but then all, he gets up, and I'm telling you, like, there's 15 senior kids going nuts for this sophomore. Like, we're, everyone's screaming. And uh, Did, they, did, he, he did the other coaches he, know he about got, the incentive? Yeah, our coach was up, but yeah. Okay. Hundred bucks. No, it was. He, he, he there was kept there was literally there was no chance he was going to win against any of those linemen. Okay. He's tiny. Yeah. So that was fun, and then the other thing I loved is, and that I haven't seen a lot in high school sports. When our JV played and our varsity wasn't playing, all our varsity kids went and cheered them on. And so I was like, that's pretty darn cool, man. So there's a cool little family with the kids. Are you a big I, – I, I, I'm going to guess no, but are you a big yeller? Um, are you a big no. excited guy when somebody somebody throws a pancake block and you're like, you know, you're you're jumping up and down, enthusiastic? <laughs> are, are you that guy or not? On the no. positive side, not the negative side. No, I'm not. I'm not the over-the-top on yeah. either side. I didn't think I'm way, that. way calmer on the negative side. Like, the negative side is let's fix it. Right. I haven't gotten past that. Like, hey, we're wrong. Let's fix it. I'm also a believer in a, a lot of instances. Like, if you have kids that are messing stuff up and it keeps happening, are they dumb or am I? <laughs> well, that's like I, obviously I'm yeah. not coaching them right, or I don't have the right language, or there's something missing. I need to figure out why they don't get it. Hey, that's that's kind of what I the way I look at it. And then on the positive side, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm not losing my shit. Right. Like, I hate that the coach that gets out there and like flexes on people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's me. You get that so much more in football than you do any other sport. I know um, you did it in basketball, but other than that. I think, you know, um, what you just described is not what most youth coaches are. Like, it is, if you're not getting it, you're an idiot because I've been doing this and I know it's right. And I just think that that's such a great perspective to have because I think one of the things you know, um, you know, you know that not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody, you know, processes it the same way and... You know, sometimes the real great coaches are the are the ones that figure out how to coach to, you know, whatever learning process the players have, and they're all different. I, I think that's what you know. You've sort of said that before. It's what what made Gibbs great. 
You know, Gibbs was not a shove it down your throat my way or the highway. It was let's figure out what we have and adapt to what we have. Without any, uh, yeah, I, it, it's exactly what it is. And, and to me, the sort of the funny thing is, some of the coaches that I talk to about coaching in the NFL, the guys I was closest to that would talk to me, basically said, "You just did it so different than everybody else, and you were smart." And we, the problem you'll have is no one will get it like you got it. It's the exact opposite, right? Like, I want to find a creative approach to helping somebody else figure it out. I don't care how I get it. Dude, our offense for Powell is, like, took me 13 minutes to memorize. I, we got young kids that still mess it up, like, a lot. It doesn't matter if I grasped it in a day. Right. I, 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 me knowing it, I, it only allows me to help them. So, What kind of, what kind of offense do you guys uh, have? Um, I would describe us as a predominantly gap and power run team with a, um, mirrored conceptual passing game. Not a lot of run action stuff just yet, although there's some, some naked, as Joe would say. As in, um, as in neck, yeah, naked yeah, boots? Yeah, it's hard to figure out exactly. Like, for me, if you asked me that question when I was a head coach right now, I would say um, I'll figure out exactly what offense we're going to be three weeks into the season. Like, I'll know the system and style that I want to call in the language, but I'll figure out the offense I want to be when I really get to know the kids that are playing in it. Right. You know what I mean? Like we got, we might have three guys that could play tight end. Well, in that case, then we're we're downhill power. You know. So we'll see. Is uh, are all the games in Wyoming? Is it Friday Night Lights? Is it is it Friday Night High School Football? Yes, every game Friday Night Lights. Um, when it's it- you could get a you could get a like a six hour region game. Six-hour drive to a region game, a oh. conference game, whatever. Uh, that, you know that that was going to be one of my questions. Like a road trip. I mean, in a big state like that with fewer schools, how long a road? I mean, how far away is your furthest opponent? The first the furthest opponent I think would be Evanston, which is on the other end of the state. Evanston would be like in a bus, like six and a half hours. Holy they shit! They play here this year. Oh, they do. You got to go to Jackson this year. Jackson Hole. Is if you can go through Yellowstone about five hours, if Yellowstone's closed because it's later in the fall, that's about six hours. Star Valley's about that far. Play Star Valley, but like a a normal game, like you will play Riverton. Riverton's one of the closer games. That's a three-hour drive. Wow. But think of how much fun that is for the kids. Yeah. Well. Yeah. God. It would have been, I love taking those long trips in high school. It's, it's really, you know, when you live in densely populated um, 
highly populated areas on the East Coast. Like, that's something that's so foreign to... Like, I remember, you know, like, one of my all-time favorite movies is Hoosiers. And, you know, as they're going through, you know, the Indiana State High School tournament, they're on the buses and they've got, you know, the, the caravans with all the cars and the whole thing. And, you know, some of those drives, you know, it looked like they were three, four hours through countrysides and the whole thing. And that's what you're doing. A six-hour drive, holy shit. And then you got to be worried as you go to Jackson Hole, which, by the way, is beautiful. Uh, has it snowed enough to the point where you can't take Yellowstone because the roads are closed? Well, you, you would, no, they just, they just close Yellowstone at a certain point. Well, because of weather, right? Yeah, but that's a known date. Right, but it's because of expected weather. Well, correct, yeah, but you can look up Yellowstone closing now. I'm just saying, depending oh, okay. on when you play Jackson. Okay. Yeah, you. I don't know. What's it's, the big rival? Is Cody the big rival? Cody's a big rival to me. It's it'd be Cody. The the kids and coaches think there's a lot of them. Man, like Worland, Wyoming seems to be a, a team that ends up being a big rival. That's and your opener. Wants to be. That's your opener. Friday, oh. September third, seven p.m. versus Worland, a home game. Have you, have you even looked at the schedule? I got the schedule up right nope. now. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have watched. I have watched about five games of last year's film. Man, you want to talk about some rough film to watch? Really? There's no sideline angle. Uh, no, there's the stadium's yeah, right. like 19 feet high. Right. Yeah. Looks like a mom up there videoing it. Yeah. Old JD's up there at the top of the stadium with you know a camera up on a on a uh, on a tripod like on some board that moves around every every time people stamp their feet on the stands shaking up and down. I can only imagine. Um, week two, you got Douglas also at home, so it looks like you got. Oh, then then you play. Then it looks like you have a bye week, and then. Well, I don't. I don't know what happened here. Then the schedule sort of gets a little bit. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't complete yet. Maybe the schedule isn't complete yet. Oh, you play Hang Cody. I'm sorry. September 24th. It would appear in week four. You've got Cody at home. No, you've got Cody on the road. My my fault. You've got Cody on the road. Yeah. So. That's a, that's a short trip. This is exciting. Can you imagine though if you could bet on it? No, stop. Like you'd be calling me. Whatever, whatever you do. About, I'm not talking about me or people, but no, 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 no. I'm saying you. No, well, I, you I, as a person. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't bet high school sports. If I was the head coach of an NFL team, would you bet on that team? Uh, no. Or would you have too much information that you don't think it would be legal? Uh, I would steer clear completely. If you and I were still friends like we are now, where we talk a lot. I would absolutely not come anywhere near putting you into that level of jeopardy. Now, I have to imagine that a lot of coaches throughout the league have a lot of friends that bet. <laughs> like, I mean, they're all sports fans. They're all sport. I mean, and now it's legal in so many places. So, but, um, but I, I bet their friends handle it. I bet their friends handle it appropriately. But I'll bet there'd be at least one a year where you were like. You guys ready for this game, man? Because they're I'm playing really well. Yeah, is, is a quarterback playing or not? Is he going to play this week? Because right now it looks like people think he's going to play. The line sort of reflecting that he's going to play. No, he's out. He's done. 
Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. I, I would whatever I would whatever I did, would do. It would be to make sure that nobody got in trouble, specifically you, unless it was a really massive opportunity for me, and then I would take advantage of it. Um, <laughs> I have something to tell you, um, and I don't even know if you know about it. Uh, and I'm going to do it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have a couple of questions that I'm going to ask Cooley. Um, and um, for those of you wanting lots of Washington football talk with Cooley right now, it's hard because he hasn't been paying attention to anything that's been going on because he's been coaching high school football. Now, when we get to, just so everybody understands, when we get to the regular season, he's going to watch the games. I mean, because you're not on Sundays, you're not playing. He's playing Friday night football. He'll be watching the games. I wanted to ask. I mean, maybe. <laughs> really? Maybe? Maybe. Okay. We'll see where we're at. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I'm oh, con- dog, guys, dog, don't stop. Stop. I'm not about all that. You're watching them. You will, you will be watching them. Um, did you know about this Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Greg Olson tight end university thing that they're doing with the NFL's top tight ends? Do you know? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, I saw it today. I saw something like Logan Thomas will attend the tight end university, even though I don't know anything about Washington football. Um, But, yeah, I don't know anything really about it. Kelsey, Kittle, and Olsen. And Olsen's not on a roster. He's retired now, right? I think he is. Um, They created a, a thing called tight end university where they're getting all of the tight ends together that want to show up. And they kicked off, I think, last night or the night before, the first installment of, like, you know, working together, practicing together with 40 NFL tight ends in attendance in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Like in some in some of the best tight ends, Zach Ertz was there. Uh, you know, um, some of the Johnu Smith was there. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson was there. Yes, Logan Thomas was there, and then a lot of the young players like Kyle Pitts and um, uh, who was the guy from Notre Dame that you loved that played for the Bears this year? Uh, Cole Komet. Um, Cole Komet's man. there. Like a bunch of tight ends are showing up and they're working together in Nashville. I've never heard of anything like that with any position. Are they paying to go work there? Are they paying them? Why would they pay them? I don't know the answer to that, but why would they pay them? People pay for training. Oh, you mean are the payers playing the, the are the players that are attending paying um, uh, a university uh, tuition? Are, are, right. Are they paying Kelsey and Olson and Kittle? And why would Kelsey, Kittle, and Olson want to coach up competitors? I don't know. It's a great like seriously. Did you and I, you and I talked about me doing this, right? Yeah. That's why I asked you about you know, it. I, I really thought this would be fun to do this and do college kids coming out and then NFL guys. I'm running into one really tough problem, which is I'm in Wyoming. I'm right. not going to Nashville or Florida or anywhere to do this for a month. And I really don't want to spend a million dollars on a facility for it to happen. So it, it would be fun. I think, like honestly, here's why I, I would do it. Because OTAs are a non-individualized, non-technique-oriented drill or by the organization. It is an, a coach's install offense, period. Like, we're spending 15 minutes at most on individual technique as a, any position in OTAs. So when are you getting better? Like when, and now the NFL, we've talked about this, has this, the, the hour rule where you can't grab your coach after practice because it, it takes you over the hour roll. If one coach and player are on the field at the same time, you've got to count time for a team. So what, why they would go, why would you, why they would do this, you need the work. Good. Yeah, I'm just – I think it's um, – the goal of this is to sort of unite the tight end position – um, they're going to be teaching skills, learning from each other, working on various things that are position related. It's just, I, I've never heard of something like this other than players who have like, you know, let's just say they, they're working with receivers, quarterbacks working with receivers from other teams down in, you know, Miami or whatever, or some sort of quarterback guru that, you know, various quarterbacks are using and they might be there together. But this is three, you know, two of the best tight ends in the game, you know, debatably the two best tight ends in the game in Kelsey and Kittle, Um, and then a former excellent tight end. Um, But in the case of Kelsey and Kittle, this is them coaching up their competitors. Teams they will face on the field. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about that. You could also you could also take it to a different level and say they're high level scouting for their own team. <laughs> well, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, Sneaky. Hey, look when I yeah when he does this and that. I don't care about that. I don't know if I would care if when I was playing about being there with like forty some guys, it would just end up being a drinking party for me. So, <laughs> um, like, so, like, you, oh, oh, 
Let's see who. Let's see which one of us can drink the most beer. Go. You mentioned OTAs, so I think I told you this when we talked recently. But if I didn't, um, Ron Rivera had a phenomenal turnout for their six OTA days. Now there there were nine scheduled, but he canceled three of them, moved up mini camps, so they ended up having. Six OTA days and three minicamp days. Minicamp was mandatory. OTA days, as they have been, voluntary. The OTA turnout, 89 of the 90 players showed up for OTA days. 86 of the 90 showed up for all six. Or I think, I'm sorry, 84 of the 90 showed up for all six of the days, but 89 of the 90 showed up for at least one day. There was one player who did not show up for any of them. Did I tell you who that player was? No. It was Chase Young, the, cat, the guy that got the C on his chest at the end of last year when Haskins had the C taken off his uh, jersey. Why, why didn't he show up? Um, he was working out on his own in Miami. Interesting. Um, yeah, 89 showed up because they fired every single person in that building over the last year that they didn't like. So you better show up. Um, you'll, you'll get fired pretty quick. You know, hey, why, young, you know why I'm bringing why this up? Yeah. Why are you bringing it up? Is it a big deal that Chase Young didn't show up to one OTA day and 89 of his teammates, every single one of his teammates, showed up for most of them? No, not a big deal at all. Okay. It might be a big deal for nine days in June, but do you think we're going to care when they play a game, a real one? Nope, we won't remember OTAs. He'll have two sacks, and we'll go, okay, he was good, he's good, he's ready to go. I think it matters if, a, if you thought a guy wasn't working hard. That's the only time I'd care. I'm sure he's working hard. So I, um, I totally agree with that last thing you said. I don't think it's going to have any impact on his performance. However, when your head coach has talked culture change, culture change, culture change, and as a player, you are sort of not only anointed by your teammates as a team leader and a captain, but in many ways have led the charge on this culture change. Talked about how we are changing things around here. Um, I, my preference would have been that he, show, he had shown up for at least one day. That he had shown the rest of the team, many teammates who he has not even met in person on defense, like Jamin Davis, like William Jackson, you know, maybe a few others. Um, I, I if, if I were the coach, and by the way, I guarantee you that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio would have preferred that Chase Young show up for, you know, at least a day or two of the OTAs as a team captain and team leader rather than being the only player that did not. But again, I agree with you that it doesn't have any impact. I would put it on a three of a scale of importance of, of one to ten. But the preference would have been, hey, dude, you're a team captain. We're trying to change a culture here. Um, how about just showing up for one of these things and introducing yourself to some of your new teammates? I just think – Yeah, I understand. I, just don't, under, I don't understand why he didn't do it. Every time. I don't understand no, why he didn't preference. do it. The, well, the preference is that he would show up. There's no doubt about that. But 
you're talking about being a team leader. I, I mean, my favorite captains were the guys that you could go to and say, hey, go tell Coach we, we're too sore to wear pads today because he's the one dude that'll do it. Well, now maybe Chase really is the best leader because he's the one dude that's like, eh, do it our way. Um, no, yeah. Dude, look, you want everyone to show up. Like, we, did, we did the same, I did I the same thing with the uh, high school camp. Oh. And, it, and you're like, but the best kid shows up and he didn't go to camp. Is he going to lose his job? Are we really going to care? Or just, no. And that's how I felt with Chase Young. Or feel with Chase Young. Like, we're not going to care. Now, the, the the one thing for Chase is like, he's going to pull his hamstring in, in training camp or do something, and everyone's going to say, see, sure went, sure went to OTAs. And I understand that that would be a stupid reaction, but you know what? This is it will it, be the reaction, though. He's got to understand yeah. that that's going to be what the reaction well, is. Well, and let me just say this. Doc Walker pointed this out to me when we were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I, I wrote down the two things that he said to me. And Doc, as you know, is a motivational speaker and a leadership you know, uh, you know, guru. A true leader never puts himself in a position to be questioned. And what you just described is a, is a leader, uh, you know, a supposed leader, putting himself in position to be questioned, even if it's a ridiculous question. See, I should have asked you the question differently. If you were an advisor, a close confidant of Chase Young, would you have pushed him to show up for at least one of those OTA days? Yeah, a full week. And I would have told him he doesn't need to practice if he doesn't want to. Okay, and why? Because it's just such a standard for you're at least going to show up when you need to show up. Okay. You answered the question. It's none of this. I, I do. I yeah. No, would I have went, oh, dude? I went to OTAs. I mean, I missed a couple. I think here and there for some things, but like for the most part, like I, I went to them. I think the only ones I really missed was when Zorn was there. When Zorn was there, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, no, you you answered the question. Uh, you know, I, I know people are sitting there going, Sheehan's trying to make a big deal out of the OTA thing again and again. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I don't think it will impact his play at all. I just think that. When the boss, the head coach, sort of makes it, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post was on with me, and she said, look, it was very clear to the 89 of the 90 players that showed up that even though these were voluntary, the coach in the midst of talking about culture change, for him, it was mandatory. So, yes, they would have much preferred Chase had been there, even if it had no, it has no impact in the future. And to me, if I'm a team leader – if I'm a captain, and then I have to read the room and understand this is important to my head coach, so I'm going to show up. But that's just me. So, um, is again, what's the result? How does it manifest itself? It probably doesn't at all, at all. But again, if you're if you believe that the preference of the coaching staff it was that they didn't that like they didn't care if he showed up or not, you're wrong. And if you th- and if you think that Chase did the right thing by not showing up for any of those six days, I think you're wrong. I think it would have I think it would have been in his best interest as a team leader to show up. That's all. Well, and then here's the other part of it. Was it going to be hard to show up? 
He had a couple of uh, commercial things going on with with Reebok, which was like uh, not Reebok. How did I say Reebok? Under Armour. That was like a day and a half of work. Again, there were six days, and for most of it, they'll schedule that around in OTA. Yeah, yeah f- of course they will. Uh, I was told that by the, somebody at Under Armour. Um, I, uh, but for most of it, he just chose to work out in Miami with whomever he's working out with down there. But again, it's so limited these OTAs. Like, let's say they're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or whatever it is for the week. Work out Tuesday morning, fly down, and show up for the practice. Say Wednesday, finish, go through Thursday, finish. You don't have to practice. Like, he could just go up and work on individual stuff like I talked about. Right. I mean, he can say, look, if you want me here in this voluntary situation, this is what I want to work on. And then fly home and work out Thursday afternoon. You're really not even missing any of your workout stuff. Like, it's not a hard deal with the financial means that he has to fly up and down a couple times so again do, do, am i going to get crazy about it no because i understand what it is and what they probably gain do i need chase young to continue to reinstall a defense for jack del rio no don't really care as long as he can get the playbook and be good in camp i'm good with that um would some of the leadership stuff been nice yes but will the guys really care no they won't because there's so much damn turnover every year and there's so much excitement with the new guys just being there that they don't need led by Chase Young enough. Right. So. All right, let me tell you the other thing that sort of came out of the six OTA days and the three minicamp days. Um, obviously, lots of conversation about the quarterbacks. In a recent interview with Ben Standig, Ron Rivera basically said that it basically dismissed Kyle Allen as even a potential threat to be uh, a starter or even the backup. He talked specifically about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. That was it. Kyle, it was a very surprising thing because we know that Rivera liked Kyle Allen. He went out of his way, remember, towards the end of the season to say that the results would have been the same with Kyle Allen that they were with Alex Smith. But um, he's trying to create, I think, the impression that there's a there's going to be a competition. He said specifically, specifically, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to have. He didn't want to say to lose because it's got you know a negative context. It's his, his to have, but we're going to have real competition at the quarterback spot. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe that there's that that Kyle that Taylor Heineke will be given a chance to uh, to win? He must be he must be looking pretty good. The, the word is he he was did not take one rep with the starters. Ryan Fitzpatrick took every rep with the starters. Then then there's no competition. Then there's no competition, and here's the way that there's a competition. Fitzpatrick wets the bed through camp and looks like dog crap. And Heineke has the preseason of the year in the second and third quarters or the third and fourth quarters or whatever it is. It's almost like when Patrick Ramsey lost the job my first year because Bruno wasn't going to start. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, this guy's way better. It'd have to be so apparent. And Fitzpatrick won't lose a job because it's not his job to have it's his job to lose that's how you say that and he won't lose a job yeah i don't think so either i i, I and i 
I, I know you were you really liked what you saw from Heineke. I was intrigued. I wanted them to re-sign him, the whole thing. Um, it's sort of, to me, like you, you can – the odds are so long that Taylor Heineke is the starter and somehow wins the job. Um, could he end up playing this year? Sure, if they suck. Sure. Fitzpatrick for four straight games and four straight losses throws, you know, 12 picks, of course. By the way, the gets season, hurt. yeah, or gets hurt, obviously. Um, the season you were just referring to, I think, r- wasn't 2004. It was the second year, your second year, when Ramsey won the job, and then. That's right. Brunel started my first year. Yeah, he started the, your whole first year, and then and Ramsey, Ramsey won the job. Yeah, but but if but then, you couldn't score against Chicago in that opener, the nine to seven game. With with Rams with Ram and, and Brunel came in or did Ramsey get hurt? I forget if Ramsey got hurt or if he got benched. But Joe thought Ramsey the, got hurt. Okay, but Joe wanted to play Brunel. Yeah, Joe totally. Yeah. He wanted to play Brunel, and the next week was the Monday Night Miracle in Dallas. Right, that game went. Ramsey got hurt. He did throw a touchdown pass to me. About four plays before he got hurt, it was there was an uh, offensive pass interference call because I pushed off. We went back out and ended up being third and long. He took a sack. He got a concussion. I think is what happened. Okay, it was my fault. Do you remember that game? Because that was you know. Nope, but I remember that moment. All right, because you won that game. You went in in the first it would have been seven and a half quarters of the season you guys did not score a touchdown and then you had the two touchdowns in the final few minutes of the Cowboys game on Monday night yeah. and you were 2-0 and just like that um, so um, can you name the four teams left in the NBA playoffs um, the Bucks. And the Jazz? Nope. The Jazz were eliminated. Oh, they lost? Yeah, your favorite team growing up. Um, the Clippers. The Clippers are still alive, yes. The Bucks beat the Nets. Right. I saw that one day on TV. They were playing. It was a great game. The, the seventh game yeah. was a phenomenal game, yeah. So the Bucks and Clippers... I mean, I do you know the other? You don't. Do you know the other two? I would think that your foot, the kids that play on your football team, are into the NBA. No, yes or no? Oh, so are you going to say like Denver? No, Denver's out too. I, I wasn't no, saying it. For, I, I wasn't saying it for that reason. Because uh, geographically, there's a team close. No, just tell me the other two. I don't. I don't even care. Okay. The sun. The Suns are playing the Clippers right now in the Western oh, Conference Finals, okay. and the, and the okay. Bucks are playing the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Can you name Ooh, the Hawks are the underdog? Can you name the final three teams now in the NHL playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> um, Montreal just made the Stanley Cup Finals, and. Cooley and I used to joke a lot about hockey, um, some of it on the air and some of it off the air. Montreal was the worst team that made the playoffs, and they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, nothing says 
that the NHL is more random in the results than the fact that eight seeds have won the Stanley Cup. They get to the finals. This year they didn't actually seed the field because they had a different structure with COVID. But the team that had the worst overall record that just barely made the playoffs is in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Montreal. And it went, in Montreal, do they all wear like the same color pants and stuff? They have matching uniforms, right? They have matching uniforms, and they keep their skates very sharp. Um, yes. Um, they are into the Stanley Cup Finals, and they will play the winner of tonight's Tampa Bay-New York Islanders Game 7, where, where Barry Trotz coaches, the coach, remember, that won the Stanley Cup with Washington, right. and then wasn't paid enough to stick around. That was a that was a brilliant move. How about this? What? Tampa is the number one power play team in the NHL. They they are lethal, but Tampa Bay finished third in their division and made the playoffs, and the Islanders finished fourth out of four teams and made sure. the playoffs. But so, I didn't know that Tampa has the number one power play. So yeah, I know you just looked that up. No, I. We'll take a picture of myself right now. I was watching Sports Center like two weeks ago, and I saw that. Okay, have you been playing any golf, or have you not had time for it? Yeah, I played a. I've been playing a little bit of golf. I actually, I'm getting much better. I shot a 74 last week. So. That's awesome. Are you yeah. st- Are you still alive in your two man competition? No, no, we're out. Okay. All right. So, well, it's good to catch up. Glad you're doing well. I'm excited for you, as you know. Um, and, uh, you know, keep the language, changing a whole language, you know, to yourself for now, I think. It's a big deal, man. It's gotta, I, it's, but it's got to be perfect. So, I, I, Yeah, if you're going to teach a new language, you, you got to have the language pretty much down yourself, I would think. Well... I I could call it whatever we wanted to call it, any version of what I called the language for the last eight years. I'll I'll know it. Like you could call one combination four different things. It it really is so sorry to sorry to do this. You started it though. Um, it really is like when they say if you learn Spanish, oh, then it's a little easier nerd. to learn French, yeah. and then if all of a sudden you just you you can learn other languages quicker. I've learned five different football languages. Yeah, I understand. So I can make them, I can understand them all. Fewer words. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, what I'm doing is a little different, but, like, I've learned five different football languages. So if you're going to, now now with our high school, it's six. So if you're going to teach me a language, I'm going to learn it in, like, a day for your football team. Can you speak any other real languages? Did you ever take? No. But you got a lot of football I took languages. Spanish in high school. Well, Spanish is closer, I think, to Italian than it is French. I think if you can speak Spanish, you can really pick up Italian. My wife speaks fluent Spanish, and day once you start to learn another language, it's easier to learn any other language. Well, that's probably like true. But I'm talking Spanish, about Spanish, French, and Italian. Then you'd pick up Chinese faster than somebody who only spoke one language. That makes sense to me, but. That doesn't mean that I wasn't answering that. I was answering, you said that if you pick up Spanish, it's French you pick up because it's similar. I think Italian is more similar to Spanish than French is. Oh, it's not because of the similarity. I know, whatever. Okay. Um, 
All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll, ca- we'll <laughs> catch up soon. Uh, look, for all of you that have been asking, you know, he's been busy, obviously, uh, coaching. And the truth is, because he really hasn't been paying attention to a lot of what's been going on, and this is the time of year where there isn't a lot going on anyway. Okie doke. Thank you. Okie doke, buddy. Uh, I've got a little have more have on this show to finish up right after this word from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I'm going to finish up the show today um, with three things. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoff game. I also have somebody that I want to talk about for uh, just a minute or two. Um, And the Nats. I mean, Kyle Schwarber, my God. Um, the show that he is putting on is quite amazing. Yesterday, homering two more times, first two at-bats in the first inning, a solo shot to lead off the game, and the second inning, a three-run shot to give him a 4 nothing lead and route to a 7-3 to win. Um, they've won five in a row. They've won uh, 10 of their last 11. And Schwarber now has 21 home runs on the season, three off the lead in Major League Baseball. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. leads the league with 24 homers. And he's hit a home run in 12 of his last 13 games. Schwarber became yesterday the first player in Major League history to homer 11 times in a 13-game span as the leadoff hitter in a batting order. First player ever in the history of the game to homer 11 times in a 13-game span, hitting in the number one slot. Um, He also became the fourth player in Major League Baseball history with eight home runs and 15 RBIs in a five-game span. Eight home runs, 15 RBIs in a five-game span. The other three players that did it were Sean Green, Manny Ramirez, and Frank Howard, Hondo, former Washington senator. Uh, I'm sure he did it in the 60s, maybe in 1970 or 71. Um, Schwarber is absolutely killing it right now, um, and it's really making Mike Rizzo and really maybe more um, Davey Martinez looked good for signing him off a terrible year that he had in the crazy COVID-19 um, season. Uh, he is 
reason number one Washington has gone on this run of winning 10 and 11, they're just three and a half behind the Mets right now in the National League East. They're back to 500 at 36 and 36. Mark Zuckerman this morning on the radio show pointed out that after the 19 and 31 start in 2019, they didn't get back to 500 until the 80th game of the season when they got to 40 and 40. Um, they've, they're already back at the 500 market, uh, 500 mark now at 36 and 36. The big difference would be it really did appear as if the National League East runner-up in 2019 was going to have a legitimate shot at making the postseason's wild card game. This year, at least as it stands now, and we're not even halfway through the season, um, the National League West, you know, they've got three teams that are all 13 games above 500 or better. You know, the Giants are 48 and 26, and then the Dodgers are 44 and 31, and the Padres are 45 and 32. So those three teams right there, two of those three are going to be in contention for um, the wild card spots. And then the Cubs and the Brewers are both nine games over 500, tied for first in the NL Central. So, you know, a lot can change when you have 90 games left or whatever. Well, actually 90 exactly for the Nats who have played 72. Um uh, and the National League East could go on a tear, and all of a sudden you could have a team that's pushing a wild card spot. But really, their path to the postseason is going to come by winning the division. And as I mentioned, I think on Tuesday's podcast, this stretch with Miami is very important because if they can get three or four this weekend against a Marlins team that's really struggled, they are. Um, I, at this point, I think they've won uh, two of their last 10, um, and they've lost four in a row. Um, they've got to get this Marlins series winning three of four minimum because the schedule after this Miami series gets very serious. They've got a makeup game with the Mets on Monday. Then they've got Tampa twice, the Dodgers four times, the Padres four times, and the Giants three times before the All-Star break. And then they come out of the All-Star break with three more against the Padres in Washington. So you're talking about some of the best teams in the sport um, over about a month period, uh, not a month period, but over a three-week period um, into the All-Star break and shortly after for the Nats to, you know, try to stay in it, you know, depending on where the Mets are. The Mets are still a favorite to win the division. I've had a lot of people on the show this week, on the radio show this week, um, you know, talking about their chances. Obviously, their chances are much better than they were, you know, two weeks ago. Um, they're playing really well, and the pitching um, perhaps uh, hasn't gotten enough of the attention. Uh, Joe Ross outstanding last night for for really the third time in his last four starts. Ross went seven innings complete, allowed four hits and no earned runs, and struck out eight in seven complete. I mean, Joe Ross has had some really good outings recently. His last game against the Mets in the seven-inning uh, doubleheader game was rough, um, but his prior two outings um, were, uh, were no earned runs in starts against Philadelphia and San Francisco, um, uh, where he went six and eight innings or respectively, or eight and six respectively, eight against the uh, Giants and six against Philadelphia. Uh 
they they lost um, at least for a moment Josh Bell after his big game in the 13-12 to 12 win um, with an injury that hasn't been identified, but he is having an MRI today. Um, but the Nats really uh, creating some excitement. They're the hottest team in baseball uh, right now, um, having won five in a row in the, in the National League, having won five in a row and nine of their last ten. Um, nobody else really close to what they've been doing here um, over the last few weeks. Uh, so that's good news. The NBA game last night, the Clippers won for the um, third straight series in game three after falling behind 2 nothing. Uh, they won 106-92, so that series is two games to one Phoenix. We have talked a lot on this show the day or uh, the, the, the morning on the radio show and the or late morning after – um, a night of NBA basketball, typically about some incredible individual performance offensively. There wasn't one of those last night, but there was an incredible defensive performance. First of all, the Clippers as a team were outstanding defensively. But the guy that played and had the most impact on the game last night was Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly was inserted into the starting lineup after Devin Booker went for 40 points. Um, 13 rebounds and 11 assists in game one. Devin Booker has now been guarded by Patrick Beverly for two straight games primarily. Beverly is the primary defender. And over those two games, one of which the Suns won barely with the tip in at the buzzer after George missed the two free throws. Booker, though, in these two games has gone 5 of 16, 5 of 21, 10 for 37 from the floor. He's got 12 turnovers in the last two games. He scored 15 last night, 20 the night before or the game before. Patrick Beverly defensively is driving Devin Booker nuts. He has him off his game like you just cannot believe, especially if you've been watching Devin Booker throughout these playoffs. Paul George played uh, another really solid game, and Reggie Jackson continues to deliver big shot after big shot. But my God, man, Patrick Beverly's defense on Devin Booker. I guarantee you the Bucks would love to have Patrick Beverly on their team right now guarding Trey Young. Um, he is just intense, in your face, quick enough to stay in front of you, but really he just is bothersome and an annoyance, and he never leaves Booker. One of the things that you've seen like on Trey Young, even if he gets guarded and he's forced to pass, the guarding then stops allowing him to get the ball back easily. Booker can't get the ball back easily. I had Legler on the radio show. He's like, they've got to figure out a way to get – uh, Booker some open shots early in the game to get Beverly off his game a little bit and get Booker back into it. Um, but it's really interesting to watch Patrick Beverly guard. Um, the real mystery is the Kawhi Leonard situation where there still is no definitive news on his injury, on what it is, on how long he'll be out. Um, it's a strange thing. There were cutaways of, of him and his family in a suite you know, there was some questioning as to why he wasn't with his team sitting, you know, on their in their bench area. I think personally, Kawhi's just such an introvert 
he doesn't want the attention. But the cameras found him anyway last night. And they have said that he's participating in all of the Zoom calls and all of the strategy meetings. But it's just weird that they have not ruled him out um, at this point. Um, Strange thing, uh, the way that injury has been handled from a reporting standpoint. Now, by rule, they have to report the injury by 5 p.m. the day before the game. So by 5 p.m. today, because game... Four is tomorrow night uh, in L.A. Um, They'll have to announce um, his status. I would imagine he's out. I think there's a serious knee injury here, Um, but I don't know why we haven't gotten more information. Uh, I was wrong on the Bucs the other night laying the big number. Um, They're laying a big number again tonight. I'm going to take the Bucs again laying the eight. Uh, I think they have to win this game, but, man, they got to figure out how to guard Trey Young differently. Um, it is uh, way, way too um, uh, too much freedom allowed for Trey Young, and I don't. I it just it, for the life of me, I could not believe the Bucks guarded him the way they guarded him the other night. They continued to give him space. They continued to allow him to turn the corner off pick and rolls. Um, he's too good, man. And if they put him in position to take enough shots to score forty eight again, he'll do it, and they'll lose. I like the Bucks tonight, though, laying the big number. Uh, I was wrong the other night, um, but we'll see. All right, one more thing, and we will say goodbye for the day. Uh, last night, I was at an event at Columbia Country Club in Chevy Chase to honor someone who I will talk about for a minute or two here momentarily. Uh, for those that don't know, Columbia is actually hosting the 2021 U.S. Girls Junior Golf Tournament. It's the single biggest girls golf tournament of the year anywhere around the globe. Uh, it's going to be held July 12th through the 17th. Admission is free. The Golf Channel will be broadcasting much of it, especially when they get to the weekend. Um, it's a USGA event. Quite an honor uh, for the area to have a USGA event. The USGA just finished up, of course, last week putting on a great show at Torrey Pines for the Men's U.S. Open. Part of the reason, by the way, Columbia is getting this event, beyond it being an incredible golf course, is that the USGA wanted to celebrate the 100-year anniversary, the centennial of the 1921 U.S. Open, which was played at Columbia. Uh, Englishman Jim Barnes uh, won that U.S. Open 100 years ago by nine shots over Walter Hagen and Fred McLeod. Um, And also uh, the great Bobby Jones uh, was in that tournament as a 19-year-old amateur at the time. He finished fifth. The margin of victory in that 1921 U.S. Open at Columbia, uh, won by uh, Jim Barnes at nine shots he won it by, is the second largest in U.S. Open history. Tiger Woods' amazing 15-shot win at Pebble Beach in 2000 uh, is the largest ever. President Warren Harding was uh, at the event, attended the event, and presented Barnes with the U.S. Open Trophy Cup. Uh, which, by the way, was on display last night at this event. Uh, John Rahm uh, allowed the USGA to take it down here, um, and uh, it was sitting uh, right outside the ballroom where the event was. Um, but anyway, President Harding uh, presented the the uh, winning trophy to Jim Barnes, and last night as part of the night, they actually had incredible film of the 1921 Open uh, at Columbia with President Harding presenting him um, with uh, the cup. It's actually kind of cool to see film uh, of something so uh, long ago. Anyway, um, for golf fans who want to see the best girls juniors in the world, 
July 12th through the 17th at Columbia. Uh, The reason I was there last night was to honor Marty West. For those of you who aren't golf fans, specifically golf fans from this area, uh, you may not know Marty West, but I'm going to tell you who Marty West is, even though he would be the last person that would want me to say anything about him, certainly anything complimentary. Uh, Marty West is one of those guys in golf that could have been a household name if he had decided to become a professional golfer. It's interesting about the sport of golf that amateur golf um, is big. You know, uh, guys that don't turn pro have long, you know, amateur careers. Uh, Marty chose not to turn professional, even though he very easily could have, and instead chose to get married, raise a family, live in this area, and not subject the family to a father who was gone 40-plus weeks out of the year. That was the choice he made. Um, Marty instead played as an amateur throughout his entire golf career. And simply put, he's the greatest amateur player ever from this area and one of the greatest of all time. Marty's level of winning, um, to name uh, to name all the events that he competed in and won, uh, both as an individual or part of a team, would take literally, with no exaggeration, a solid 10 minutes to go through. Uh, I know that because I saw the list of all of the things. I mean, Marty qualified for 38 USGA championships during his amateur career. He's a nine-time Maryland State men's amateur champion, a two-time member of a championship Walker Cup team. He's in the Maryland Golf Hall of Fame, and he's in the Mid-Atlantic Golf Hall of Fame. Whatever can be accomplished at a high level in golf as an amateur player from this area. Marty has accomplished it and some. So anyway, he was honored last night. Great stories about his talent, his skill, his competitiveness for sure. Um, Plenty of stories about the kind of person he is. I know Marty listens to this podcast occasionally, so if he's listening, I am positive that he doesn't want me to say anything more about him, that he wants me to stop right now. So I will, but only after saying one more thing. And that is after two hours of everyone else gushing about him last night, describing his greatness, Marty at the very end of the night stepped to the podium himself and in very short order with great brevity, thanked everybody for the night, and said literally nothing about himself. Kids take note. Kids take note. I can hear uh, right now. Okay, boomer, whatever you say. No, kids and grown-ups take note. Uh, When you really are great or you do something great, you don't need to tweet it. You don't need to Instagram it. You don't need to tell anybody else because everybody else will do it for you. And they did last night for a solid two hours. It was a great night. Uh, Congrats, Marty, on on an incredible career that's not over yet. Uh, But it was great to see you last night. Uh, It was great having Cooley back on the show. Back Monday, maybe sooner over the weekend if we decide to do something over the weekend. Uh, Have a great rest of the day.